You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Panther Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering everything Pit, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We got a great episode on tap here. Eric Kane from Locked On Vols will join us to talk about the Volunteers' defense. I'll break down this matchup, why I think the keys are for Pitt to win this game and what potential weaknesses Tennessee can exploit. And then I'll also give my prediction on who I think will win this on this Football Friday edition of Locked On Pitt. All right, first welcome back to Locked On Pitt. We'll be joined here by Derek Kane to talk about the Volunteers' defense. But before we go to the college gridiron, let's go to the NFL gridiron. It's not too late to listen to the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 for previews of every team in every division from our local expert and Audacity's NFL experts. Search Ultimate Season Preview 2021 today on the Audacity app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's head over to the defensive side of the football. I think this is kind of the most interesting part of this matchup, personally, the Pitt offense versus the Tennessee defense. And listen, there's a standout that caught my eye, Theo Jackson. How about the game he had last week? Two and a half tackles for loss, three pass deflections. I mean, what in the world have they been saying about Theo Jackson? And how does that secondary really look for Tennessee going up against what is a pretty talented wide receiving room in Pitts? I mean, Theo Jackson, good kid, you know, decent player, but I mean, he's been here. Gosh, he's been here longer than I've been on the Tennessee beat. This is, he's a super senior fifth year guy. And he's always been a guy you can count on. He's played a lot of football, but he's never been a guy that's made plays. And so career game against Bowling Green and good for him. I mean, that was great to see. The challenge for him is to say, okay, well, can I be around the football that much? Can I read it that well? Can I go and make those plays against, of Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, and not just look like an All-American against Bowling Green. Uh, the star position is one of the hardest positions to ever play in football. You've got to you know, be strong enough to come up and apply you know, help in the run game, but fast enough to recover or to cover a lot of the times the fastest guy in the slot for the opposing you know, wide receiver corps. So the Theo Shine, man, he's, um, you know, this Willie Martinez and Tim Banks both, uh, you know, have been raving about Theo Jackson in the spring saying that he's the model of consistency in fall camp and said that it's no surprise to him to see the way that he played uh, on Thursday night last week against Bowling Green. So if Tennessee wants to be successful, you need to get that type of play. Maybe not every single game, but you need to have consistently good play at that star position from Theo because that's a position where Tennessee just struggled mightily last year. Yeah, and I think he's a guy that, when you look at it, could potentially be a big-time threat for the Panthers. However, the rest of that secondary, they have a little bit of talent there. I think Alante Taylor is, is a guy that that certainly caught my eye. Um, and there, there's a lot of talent there. Those guys, they aren't easy to beat. And I think that's kind of the crux of what Tennessee could do against Pitt. What's kind of the feeling about that secondary coming into the year? Yeah, it should be one of the strengths for Tennessee. But the way I view the secondary is what about what about the defensive line? Tennessee was horrendous at rushing the passer last year. Horrendous. And you bring back a lot of the same guys. So you, you, you have a change. In, and, and a lot of this, too, is you had Tracy Rocker in 2019, and he did a great job with those guys. Does not get his contract renewed. He goes to South Carolina. I think he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I think he might be at Auburn now. I'm not sure where Tracy Rocker is. But you leave there. You bring in Jimmy Brumball. Jeremy Pruitt fires Jimmy Brumball 
three games into the 2020 season. And then you have Jeremy Pruitt, who is coaching the defensive line as a head coach. And that, that should have never happened. So the lack of consistency from coaching from that unit up front has really hurt them. But you bring back a lot of the same guys, a lot of guys with experience. Tennessee's got depth up front. And now you've got one of the best coaches in terms of defensive line coaching in the country and Rodney Garner. Um, so, you know, it looks to be improved that unit. Of course, it'll be challenged this week. So if the defensive line is improved, that's only going to help the back four, the back five, where you have experience. Alante Taylor started pretty much every game dating back to 2018. Trayvon Flowers has been a guy that's played an awful lot in and out of injuries. Jalen McCullough started the last five games as a true freshman in 2019 and, and really came on. And, and then you look at that other cornerback spot in Warren Burrell, who might be the most talented guy back there, but it's just kind of finding his way and trying to figure it out. Tennessee also has depth at cornerback to where it didn't in the spring, where, you know, former Alabama reserve player Brandon Turnage, a junior college standout Kamal Haddon, uh, you know, Kenneth George, who is another guy that's played a lot of football for, uh, for Tennessee. So a lot of names I've mentioned there, a lot of experience that I've mentioned there. But to me, again, it all depends on what, that front group up there can get in terms of passing, rushing the quarterback. I mean, it's Alabama, it's Florida. I get it, but Kyle Trask and and uh, Mac Jones could could have could have made a sandwich back there last year. I mean, they they didn't get touched all game, and that made the back four and five just look awful last year for Tennessee at times. So Pitt's offensive line looked much improved against UMass. Granted, again, it was UMass as we said uh, today, but you kind of look at that pass rush for Tennessee. In terms of improvement, was it more about collapsing pockets? Was it more about actually getting QB hits on Bowling Green's quarterback? Did they actually, when you talk about that pressure, in what modes did that pressure kind of show up? Schematically, do they blitz linebackers a lot? Do they blitz Jackson, for example? How do they try and get pressure, and how did they try to get pressure last week? Now, they will do that against Pitt and moving forward. Tennessee, again, like offense, so vanilla. Um Tennessee's defensive line. I mean, talk, you're talking about a Bowling Green unit that had a that had a combined four starts total. You had a true freshman walk on playing center, a defensive end playing right tackle who you know converted over there like maybe a month before the game. It was a mess, man. And so Tennessee, all it had to do was just simply bull rush to get back there. Elijah Simmons, who will play the interior, had a really nice game. He's about 350 pounds. He's a he's a manimal, but uh, you know endurance is a key there. Uh, two transfers from the offseason and Caleb Tremblay and Deshaun Terry had good games for Tennessee. You had Tyler Barron off the edge that got back there and had a sack and that was good. But to answer your question in terms of what happened last week, Tennessee was not creative in blitzing. Tennessee didn't zone blitz. I ne- I could be wrong. I'll have to go back and check maybe, but I don't believe Tennessee did any type of zone blitzing with the secondary. But again, I expect that coming up this week. Now here's the name to here's the name to remember. I don't know if he'll be playing on Saturday because there's eligibility issues right now for the first two games of the year. He did not play against Bowling Green. Byron Young, a guy that played at uh, junior college, a guy that is uh, – his story is incredible. Essentially, he quit on football. He's working at the Kmart. He saw a flyer at a junior college saying football tryouts. He goes there, phenomenal, got a lot of run. Rodney Gardner was trying to recruit him to Auburn. He comes to Tennessee. The coaching staff gets fired. Rodney Garner, you know, shows up up here. So it's kind of a match made in heaven. But he has been the talk of spring and fall camp about being Tennessee's uh, most experienced – or not experienced, but most, uh, you know, deadly pass rusher, essentially. So Tennessee needs him to be eligible on Saturday. Um, he might, he might not. If he's not, he will definitely be eligible the rest of the way. It's a two-game issue. 
Uh, but Josh Heupel and Tennessee is awaiting word from the NCAA on Byron Young. And if, if Byron Young is playing, that is someone that uh, Pittsburgh's offense, the offensive line, the running backs, tight ends will have to account for. Pitt's running game was not good in 2020, but against UMass, they really did look good. They had a big-time game, probably their best game in a while. They they also finished the season last year on a really good stretch in terms of running the football. How does Tennessee stack up in terms of defending the run, and wh- how what's your confidence in stopping this Pitt running attack if it is truly improved and this trend continues into Neyland Stadium? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Tennessee was better against the run last year than it was against the pass, but I mean, overall, it wasn't it wasn't fantastic all the way across the board. Another guy, Henry Toltuo, who starting line starting middle linebacker for Alabama has left the program. Michigan State, you know, has uh, Corberus Crouch, who was a starting linebacker for Tennessee last year. Miami has DeAndre Johnson, who is now a super senior that went back home to play. Uh, Kevon Bennett, who's now at Arkansas State, he was dismissed halfway through. My point being, Tennessee's starting four linebackers a year ago, no longer with the program, right? Um, so, I, you know, I've said it all week. I, there's a lot of – there's so much question about this defense, about this front seven in particular. Um, you've got depth. You feel a lot better about this unit for Tennessee now than you did in spring because in spring, you had no players. You had injuries. You had all those guys leaving. You hadn't added via the transfer portal at the time. So, in spring, it looked like a nightmare situation. You feel better about it now, but there's still questions. And so I've kind of phrased it all week long here on uh, Locked on Vols. This is a great measuring stick game for Tennessee's front seven. Yes, because reasons you point out, you know, Pitt's not great at running the football. Pitt was not great at running the football last year. Pitt does not have a solidified two to three guys that they feel great about. They're still trying to find uh, its identity in running the football. So, you know, if, if Tennessee allows a, lot of, uh, allows a lot of yards on the ground on Saturday, that's probably not going to be a good thing for the for the team moving forward. But if Tennessee, you know, pitches a, a pretty solid game there and you know, allows less than 100 yards on the ground or maybe just a little bit over and gets contributions from all three levels, I think that's something you can you build on and move forward with uh, throughout the rest of the season. But, you know, Jeremy Banks is a linebacker that's been here a while. Juwan Mitchell led the Longhorns from Texas in tackles a season ago. He's in there in the middle. And then again, I mentioned all the experience up front. So it'll be a good test for Tennessee's run game that, again, right now has so many questions, but I think a lot of those questions might get answered on Saturday against uh, Pitts, Kitty Pickett, and that uh, stable of running backs back there. All right, last question here. Lucas Kroll, he is a guy that Pitts are very high on. He's a mismatch machine. He was, he's was he been looking great through the spring, the summer, looked good against UMass. They also have a, a freshman in Gavin Bartholomew who looks ready to play and ready to go. How is Tennessee last year – in defending those tight ends and specifically how much does a guy like Kroll or Bartholomew worry the Vols defense? Oh, it will be a challenge, especially after reading the comments from Pat Narduzzi this week about Kroll saying that uh, he could be an all ACC tight end. You know, he's a a former Florida Gator uh, that didn't really have a spot and, you know, came to Pittsburgh, got injured, missed a little bit of time and now they're playing with confidence. And so the fourth Theo Jackson, four Tennessee's linebackers like Jeremy Banks and Juwan Mitchell, uh, you know, getting out there, covering them whenever they're in man coverage because he'll likely be the number three option or, you know, simply picking them up across the middle of the field on drags or digs or ends. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be critical. Uh, you know, Tennessee was not particularly great covering Darnell Washington last year at Georgia. Tennessee was not particularly great covering Kyle Pitts at, at Florida. Now, who was the fourth overall pick in the draft this past year? Um, but that's just another 
you know, uh, another threat that Tennessee's going to have to going to have to focus on. Now you can mix some things up. Tennessee will run some man back there. Tennessee will run some zone. Tim Banks again. You know, we're trying to figure out exactly what Tim Banks wants this defense to be. We think it's going to. We think Tim Banks wants it to be a four three. It won't be that here in year one. It's going to be a four two five. We think he likes to run a lot of man coverage, but we we don't know exactly yet because again, first year defensive coordinator, first year play caller. And in week one, it was Bowling Green. So I'm intrigued to see how he disguises some things, kind of how he mixes some things up in the back end to try to keep guys like Kroll and, of course, Kenny Pickett on their toes come Saturday. Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols. Eric, plug your stuff. Where can they find you at, man? Yeah, on Twitter, at underscore Kaner. Um, you know, I know a lot of you guys are wanting to know about Tennessee football stuff. And if you do, I've got it all covered there at, at underscore Kaner. I'm part of the Rivals Network, VolQuest.com, and, of course, a locked on Vols. And if you're ever in Knoxville, 991B Sports Animal, give me a listen. All right, that was great. Make sure to check Eric out. Check out Locked on Vols. I went over there on Friday as well to talk with him a little bit about what they can expect from Pitt's side of things. And when we come back, I will make sure to talk about what I think Pitt needs to do and how they can win this game. However, I will also talk about what I think Tennessee can exploit to really get them over the hump. But before that, if you want to get swole or at least be aided in being swole, make sure to check out Built Bar. So many delicious flavors, coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies in cream. So many good flavors. And not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy too. 70 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180 only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Healthy, they taste well, they're great, and if you know anything about working out, protein is huge. So these are a huge help. Go to built.com and use LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast. Ready to talk a little bit about this Pitt-Tennessee game, what Pitt has to do to win this game. And, man, I have a few very key things that I think they really need to do against this Tennessee team and Josh Heupel to win this game. The first one is fairly obvious, and I feel like Pitt, in order to win this game, has to be explosive, specifically through the air. They were last week. We saw Jalen Barden get a few big plays. They attempted a few down the field to Jordan Addison. Lucas Kroll had a big catch. There's a few really big things where you look at it and you say, well, hey, Pitt really needs to do that. And I think that was something that they lacked last year, really under Mark Whipple. That's been something they've lacked. They haven't been explosive. They've had to really grind out long drives. Instead, last week they were able to do that, but they were also able to get those explosive plays and shorten drives. And that's what Pitt has to do a lot more this season. Those shortened drives are much easier to attain. It's much better to get points on the board in that fashion because it's just easier. It simply is just easier. Explosiveness is huge for the Panthers, and that sticks for on the ground as well. But we'll see how much we can get of that on the ground. I feel like Pitt on the ground, while it could be somewhat of a factor, you know, Tennessee has been a better run-defending team 
than they have been a pass defending team over the past few years. The pass rush for Tennessee just isn't really there. They don't have a ton of pass rush ability. So the Panthers need to take advantage of this and sit back there, get some explosive plays, be able to pick apart the defense and get some big plays from guys like Jalen Barton, Jordan Addison, Shockey Jacques-Louis, Jared Wayne, all of those names, Lucas Kroll. You know, I think that that needs to be something, a point of emphasis. Explosive plays win games. It's pretty simple. Explosive plays on offense, turnovers on defense, two big things and two key ways of how to win the game. And That's no different at the college or the NFL level. Certainly will help Pitt. But I think the biggest thing is Pitt has to slow down this Tennessee rushing attack. You know, that, that passing game didn't look good for Tennessee last week. Even against Bowling Green, Bowling Green is one of the worst pl- teams in the NCAA. So that, that gives me confidence that Pitt's secondary with guys like Brandon Hill and Harry Callett and, and, you know, all those guys over there, Dorian Mathis, Marquez Williams, MJ Devonshire, Rashad Battle, AJ Woods, that they can slow down that, that wide receiving group. The biggest concern is this running back tandem, Jabari Smalls and, and Tyon Evans. Now, Evans is apparently doubtful to play, some health reasons, but even still, even when you take that into account, it's very, very worrying to me that on the ground, Joe Milton's a threat. He's a bowling ball in the in the red zone, similar to how Kenny Pickett can be. He's very tough to bring down, and Jabari Smalls looks really good as well. And that O-line, that I mean, that O-line, you know, I think it's one of the strengths of this offense for sure. I think that O-line with guys like K. Mays, for example, are our are, are strength. Um, I really do. So they have to slow down that running game. Deslin Alexander, Habakkuk Baldonado, Devin Daniels, and Tyler Bentley, Deion Hayes, all, all the linebackers. Big time game for those guys. John Patrician, they need to step up big time and make sure to slow down this Tennessee rushing attack. I think that's the X factor for the defense here. I think they'll get their pressure because, again, listen, the Panthers are great at dialing up pressure. Patrician had a big game last week. I'm certain Cam Bright and Phil Campbell might get in there. And they if they rush forward, they have more than enough talent to get there. Kalaja Canty's a monster. Baldonado and Alexander are very good. John Morgan's very good off the edge. The Panthers have very good players on that defensive line, and on that linebacking core. Wendell Davis as well. So I think the pass rush is going to get there, and I think Milton's going to be running around a little bit for his life, and I don't think that passing game is going to do too much other than you know maybe get a big play here on the 50-50 ball or something like that. They do have you know a few guys that maybe can go up and get it, but I do think more so that the running game is the bigger threat, and if Tennessee can control the time possession with the ground game and maybe work some play action deep plays off that, and Joe Milton can hit one or two of those, that could be a problem for the Panthers come Saturday. So I do think they need to limit the rushing attack. Now, on the offensive side, going back there, I feel like another thing, that O-line, again, the O-line has to hold up. Yeah, that pass rush doesn't look great for Tennessee right now. It's key to note that. However, in the running game, you have to at least establish something. Tennessee runs a lot of cover two, cover three type of deals where they play a lot of cushion but they try to guard that middle of the field closed. So you're going to be running a lot of crossers, shallow crossers, you know, comebacks, deep hitches, maybe a double move here or there to get a big play down the football field. You're not going to see as many posts. You're not going to see a lot of just play overall down the football field. And, you know, the tight ends, Kroll and and Bartholomew, overall, you know, we were talking with Eric. He was talking about how this defense 
guarded those tight ends. I mean, the, the tight ends, they didn't do well against Kyle Pitts and Darnell Washington or future NFL players. Now, Kroll could be that, and if Kroll is that, we'll see how good Lucas Kroll is this week. If Kroll is that, then he can give them problems, but I wouldn't expect Kroll to be the force-fed guy. I would expect a guy on the outside like, say, Jalen Bard, Shockey Jacques-Louis. I would expect Jared Wayne to be a big part of this game. Big mismatch, potentially. Tennessee's corners, while they are highly touted, He's bigger than most of them. He can be a physical mismatch. So can he step up in a big way? I think that using the ability to attack the boundaries, win outside a little bit, and give Kenny Pickett enough protection to get those things developing, those double moves, the deep comebacks, the deep hitches on the outside there, I think that's going to be a way in which Pitt can really take advantage of this game and then create explosive plays off chunk plays when they do that on the intermediate game. I think that intermediate middle of the field is going to be a big-time no-no, essentially, because just of how they structure everything and, and how the Tennessee plays their defense and how Penn State played it, you know that there's going to be some principles there, at the very least, to where you might not get as many shots in the middle of the field as you were hoping for. The last one, I think, listen... For this defense, I think that they match up very well. I think the offense has opportunities. The other one just has to be good special teams play. The kicker situation is a question of questions right now. We don't really know what we're going to see from Sam Scarton. Is he legit? Had a shoddy week last week. Ben Sauls reportedly hasn't been very good. You know, Chris Dudulu will do his thing. Um, Adamitis is not an issue. In the return game, it's, you know, Melquis Stovall didn't look great last week, and, and Jalen Barton looked good. But is that going to be a stable thing, or is you know is it going to be an up-and-down thing? So can they get quality special teams play? I think that's another thing. Because this is a type of game where field position, three phases, can really change the course of a game. And I think that they really need to have a good special teams game, and they need to be able to make their field goals if they have to settle for them. So I think that kicker's position is going to be a big one to watch as well. As we get into the meaningful games, could Scarton prove that or is Saul's going to take a grip on it? Whoever does, they need someone to step up and do that. Well, when we come back, I'll give my prediction. I'll give my X factors for the game and what I think will go down on Saturday. Speaking of predictions, I might give some stat predictions. Make sure to check out Stat Hero. The first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the players in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name the stakes. Winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You can really just look at it. It really is quite magical. You're in total control. Stat Hero is the way DFS was meant to be played. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. Simply put, that's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. <laughs> 